All right, it's been a minute, Ryan. Yeah, it's like uh, last time you cut. Month. Yeah, last time you cut one of these, it wasn't even Thanksgiving yet. No, no. And now it's Christmas. <laughs> time flies, and time flies. Let's, see, let's see how let's see how smooth this goes. Since I'm probably you know you a little rusty. You feeling rusty? Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, in that case, let's just dig in. All right. You're listening to Casual Friday, Financial Insights Podcast, where financial advisors and certified financial planners from Ford Financial Group and their guests help you to navigate the difficult maze of financial planning and saving for retirement. We're talking about the issues and questions relating to finance that face our clients every day. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the finance, what are we calling this? Casual Friday, old habits die hard, the Casual Friday Financial Insight Podcast. In fact, I know you listen often, Ryan, we've got a new intro for us to keep up with our name change. And so I hope everybody liked the new intro. If you haven't listened to this before or haven't listened in a while because one, Mr. Ryan Louie hasn't been on here. My name is Brian Ullman. I'm a financial advisor here at Ford Financial Group. I'm joined by Ryan Louie, also a financial advisor here at Ford Financial Group. Uh, if you're watching this for the first time, subscribe to the YouTube channel uh, or hit subscribe on whatever you're listening to, whatever podcast software you're listening to on. Um, I usually use Apple Podcasts. Ryan, you're an, what is it, Overcast guy? Yeah. Okay. Well, we're on all of those. Spotify, Google, whatever, podcast, whatever they call it. So They all work. Uh, yeah. If you're listening or watching, subscribe. Uh, so that way you can catch these in the future with Ryan or whoever our guests are at the time. Um, so we, it's been a little while. We have some things to talk about. Um, and oh, we've already got a slide on here <laughs> doing the stock market performance. But before we get into this, I want to ask you with Christmas around the corner, what's your favorite Christmas movie? You've got an ugly sweater in the background gonna, there. Yeah, I got like. an ugly sweater back here. As, as you like yeah. zoomed in, I noticed that like it seemed as if my uh, there's more more showing in my office. Yeah, there's an ugly sweater back there for it to be very festive. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with what's popular in my household. I actually don't think I really have a favorite, but um, you know how my household Christmas movie. Oh, like if you're clicking, if you're clicking through and you're like, oh, and you, you know, I'm, to, to be honest with you, I'm really I'm one of those people that, that don't watch a lot of uh, movies over again. So maybe that speaks to a little bit of reason why I don't okay. have like a favorite favorite. But so again, household movie, definitely we, we watch Home Alone like the day after Thanksgiving almost yep. every year for like the last five years. And like, there you go. The kids love Home Alone. So I I, I think by default, I'll, I'll go with Home Alone being household favorite, even though I don't necessarily have one myself. My kids love Home Alone. I remember watching Home Alone in the movie theater and thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Um I, I so I like Home Alone. It's not number one for me. Number one, far and away, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Chevy Chase. That movie holds up. I still laugh when I watch that movie. It's great. It is great. It is my favorite. I've probably watched it three times between Thanksgiving and today. Okay. Um, okay. Popular and if ones. I in my something house, like I'll, Die Hard. What would that say about me? You know. Yeah, you know, I mean, you, you come with those like fringe, those fringe Christmas movies. I like Die Hard. I like action movies. I like Die Hard movies. I don't think Christmas and think Die Hard. I know some people. That's a popular opinion these days. A Christmas Story is usually a staple in our house. Um, and then I force everybody to watch Peanuts. 
yeah. it's a Charlie okay. Brown Christmas. Yeah. You know, they groan and roll their eyes, but then everybody sits for a half hour and watches it. And it's good. It's good. I like that one too. So, um, okay. Well, let's start with charts. We can start with markets. Jeez, geez, Louise. It's been, I mean, I know it's been a month since we last did one of these and in, in November markets were ripping, but good gravy as we finish the year, this is, this is a, a chart that is for today. We're recording this on the 19th. This is current through December 18th, but year to date, the S and P 500 is up 23 and a half percent. Um, we are ripping and in here shows um, some of the different, you know, whether it's Brexit, elections, trade wars, COVID, et cetera. And you'll see it's now tagged inflation as 20, our 2022 crisis du jour. Um, but markets are absolutely on fire. Even the NASDAQ after it's closing today is up more than 53% on the year. And the Russell 2000, which is the small caps has finally eclipsed the Dow up 16 and percent after being the, the worst performing index of the whole year. Um, and we're not even into the Santa Claus rally yet. What do you think? Yeah. Look, if you could, I know you're not, we can't, but like, if you really did just zoom in on the last two months, you could, and you could see that on the very right side of the chart. It, it's just, it's just, it's basically straight, straight up. up. Yeah. Um, again, a lot of it has to do with the interest rates and what the fed says. Yep. I think it's a little bit, maybe we've talked about this before. Seasonality probably has a bit of an effect to this, you know, this, this time of year historically does do well, but I think a large part of it um, that had sparked this was, just the language of the Fed, because bonds are up as as well. Um, again, not nearly as much as this, but it is you know for most people with a you know a portfolio that has bonds and stocks, you want both sides of the portfolio to go up, and it definitely has done that. Um, November and December, no, November and so far in December. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a coincidence that um, markets started ripping in November, and November first, I think it was November first, was when the Fed met or second. Um, came out and I think it's interesting because they, they said they weren't raising rates and frankly, that's what everybody believed. Um, but that, that touched off this explosion. And as we got in, it's been almost a week now since the fed met again, and now they're openly talking about cuts versus markets and investors speculating about cuts next year. You know, the feds talking with three cuts next year. Um, I still think it's three cuts because of a recession. But at this point, light recession or economic slowdown, but not a recession, what's the difference? We're kind of splitting hairs where everybody agrees that the economy is going to slow, but interest rates are going to be cut, whether it's um, the San Francisco Fed um, member said that uh, she was worried about, oh, you know, we might have to cut because of we're concerns about over tightening. I mean, they're talking about cutting rates next year. And I think that's really, that's the rip right here. I think you'd almost make the argument that, with them talking about it beforehand, um, cutting, you know, actually cutting, actually cutting interest rates that it can actually help you avoid a recession in some ways, because again, this is a a large part. You see people see their portfolios go up, especially this time of year, you know, where where people are spending a lot of money anyway. Um, you're more likely to do it when you start seeing your portfolio jump up in value. And so, you know, you kind of see a domino effect of the, the fed says, okay, we're going to lower interest rates. Bond stocks go up, portfolios go up, people are happier, more likely to spend money. The more people spend money, the more less likely we're, we're going to have a recession. Yeah, it's an effective rate cut, like you said. And and 
Um, mortgages, the 30 year average 30 year mortgage is down a percent from its peak. You know, we, I think right now it's, it's almost exactly at seven, but it even poked below that and had a six handle for a little while there. Um, the bond aggregate index was down a little bit more than 4% when it bottomed on October 19th, it's up 5% now. So we got a more than, well, roughly 9% swing in the aggregate bond index. That's like crazy amount of volatility in a good way i guess for bonds um it's been it's been a heck of a finish to the year but it's almost like well we've got two weeks left pretty thin trading the last week of the year um it's going to be curious to see how everybody comes back in january because if you're calling 2022 we peaked january 2nd and it was like everybody flipped the calendar from 2021 to 22 and things went straight down i'm not suggesting that's what's going to happen here but it's so it's amazing because in real terms as an investor there's not a whole lot of difference between this year between december 29th and january 2nd right but right it's still people trading and investing and that calendar switch matters to them so it's it'll be interesting to see i think we saw that too actually you know um, this last year or the, this last January, right? We had a huge rally in, in, in January. And as they sometimes say too, you know, as January goes, the year goes and surprise, like it certainly, certainly didn't feel like a mid year or definitely not, not no. towards, you know, the end of summer. Um, because as we were spiraling down at the end of summer, it didn't feel like it was going to, we were going to be able to have an up year, um, as good as January was, but yep. you know, Interesting enough, it kind of played out that way. Well, you can you can ladle on all of the historical, you know, um, if January is good, then the year is good. If January is good after a negative year, the odds are even higher for a positive year out of the S&P. Uh, third year of a presidential term, positive more often than not. So, I mean, this was it. We got it. It was touch and go. And I think if you're a non-believer, you kind of got burned. Um, but we did. We did. OK, we did. We did more than OK. We did. We did really okay um and we'll see i mean 23 percent is better than anybody had predicted i think this year um ta- speaking of momentum we can kind of get into the charts if 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 you want we can start with mine here um i've got a couple just quickly to go over one is the moving averages um i don't know that many of our clients know what a moving average is um but a moving average is the is the um how would you describe it, Ryan? Like the, put, the, the it's it's the culmination you know, of the last fifty days. The price, yeah. Well, there's the a, you see, you have a fifty, hundred, a two hundred day moving right. average. It's basically, um, you know, you compile all those together and take all the price average, yeah. which then smooths. Again, you, you you see the lines it smooths things out. The 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 higher the um, amount of days that you have in the average, the less movement you're going to see, the slower it's going to react, right. uh, the smoother the line. And then, of course, as you move it into something like the 50-day average, you see that it it tends to move faster um, because right. it's, it, it, it's going to have the current um, you know trading days are going to have more um, impact on that line or that average than in a 200-day sample. Yeah. Yeah, there's well, and we um, we've talked before about like there's ripples, waves, and tides, right? And the 50 day is going to be more volatile. It's a few a smaller sample size, so it's going to move up and down more. 100 days less so. Those will be the waves, and maybe the 200 day would, could be considered the tides because it's a really big sample size and is moving less. I think importantly here, um, when these numbers cross over one another, um, it would tend to tell us 
kind of market momentum here, right? And so if you're looking at the 50-day average when it breaks below the 100-day or the 50-day average breaks below the 200-day, you would say momentum is down. And some might argue that would be a sign to get out or get more conservative. I don't think this indicator alone is is one that is worth, strictly worth trading on. Um, but you can see it crossed over in the 50-day, crossed over the 200-day in January, it crossed back over the 200 day uh, in Jan. In, I'm sorry, in January 2022, it crossed below the 200 day. The 50 day crossed below the 200 day. Crossed back over in January 2023, and right now, it is finally poking back above the 100 day moving average. Um, and so, if you have the 50 day over the 100 and the 100 day over the 200, that tells you things are moving in moving in the right direction, maybe in a sustainable way. So. Yeah, I think visually people probably get a better idea of this. Um, just just look at the lines; you kind of get an idea of when when the market's in an uptrend, where the where the moving averages are heading, sure. how they look, and then again, consequentially, you can see it on the on the, the you know how they start to reverse when the market starts to go down. It right. tends to be de- definitely when you're talking about indicators and and things like that, so much easier to see visually and again, I get a real good comprehension of like what this means and what how you might how you might use it. Again, these are definitely not uh, indicators that you're going to go all in or all out of the market. No, 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 no. I think it provides context here where right. you look and you say, "Man, the you know the S and P is strung together a few bad days." But then you look at the the fifty, hundred, and two hundred day moving averages and you think, and that that maybe gives you some context where it's like, "Oh yeah, these have been a few bad days, but it hasn't reversed the trend." Uh, whereas, you know, a longer period of time, you can look and say, wow, the trend really has reversed. And if you maybe take this in combination with some other things, you'd say, oh, this could be reason to be bearish. Um, I, now I can't be a total optimist here because the other chart that I have is the stock market price to earnings ratio. This is the forward, the S and P 500 forward PE using earnings estimates over the next 12 months, historical average. So this is when we say markets are cheap or markets are expensive Usually it's in relation to the historical average, the forward, the forward PE or price to earnings ratio for the S&P 500. Historical average is a little bit more than 15 and a half times earnings. Um, this is through December 12th, S&P 500 uh, forward PE 18.7, which I believe this isn't, there's another try. I think we are more than one standard deviation above the average here. Um, so stocks are doing well, but they're not cheap, especially after the kind of run that we've been on here just very recently. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, it gives a little bit of concern when, again, I always say when things are expensive, you kind of know what direction they're going to try to be pulled back. And then at the same time, when they're cheap, you know, that they're, they're likely going to get pulled back, um, upwards, um, you know, I think best case scenario, you know, it's hard. I'm not trying to get into predictions for 2024. That's, we'll, that's do our, a, we'll do that's our, we'll do our, that's a fool's game, episode. but um, realistically, you know, as, as this year was just so odd in, in, in regards to like where we're ending up, because it, it is a very nice return for this year, which then kind of leads me to think that we're probably not going to have back to back years of really high returns, um, especially when you have a, you know, PE ratio sitting at that high already. That's, yeah. that's kind of my, my, my reality check, I think on where, where we stand um, with everything being so expensive already and the returns that we've got in 2023. Well, the, the momentum is higher, but stocks aren't cheap and you can look to see, you know, oftentimes 
they'll revert just for some context that the most expensive they've been is in the last what 30 years is 24 and a half times earnings that was in 2000 the tech bubble peak the low was nine and a half times earnings but i don't think anybody was looking at nine and a half times forward pe on the s&p 500 and thinking to themselves ah yes this is a buying opportunity right this is just like the last slide this isn't totally instructive you don't look at this and say oh things are expensive stuff can be expensive for a long time stocks can yes. be expensive for years and you can miss out on some really decent returns just looking at this and saying oh i'm gonna wait for you know a reversion to the mean um, or even below it. So, yeah, I, I again, not as an indicator. You couldn't use this. You know, it looks as if uh, what the PE ratios were route twenty two ish in in during the, the yep COVID COVID years. Yeah. Um. I you know I would not say oh you know if it gets up that high then I'll consider selling like that's not a realistic game plan for keep for in mind that this is all this price forward uh, earnings estimates. So, you know, I don't, I w- I'd be interested to go back and like during COVID, maybe the earnings estimates were in the can, right? So the forward earnings estimates were really low, but the, the, so the rate and the prices were higher because rates were slashed and money was being printed. And so that can get that out of whack because it, there's an element of estimates here, yes. right? There's some forecasting going on in this as well. So um, it can it can distort the numbers a little bit, but historically, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Stocks are expensive. Stocks are cheap. If you pull, the so, so you're saying though, based upon where we are, you are concerned. I think there's a reason to check your rampant optimism if you've got it. Yeah, right. Like yeah. things are good. We've turned. We've rates are. The Federal Reserve is even saying rates are coming down. I still think we'll have a mild recession, but even if we don't, economically we're going to slow down. Prices are going to stop going up. Money's going to loosen a little bit. That's usually good for investors. Um, you know, maybe we're expensive and we get a little bit of volatility next year because um, earnings aren't what people are expecting them to be, right? And I, if we I have, think a, you have a good point though, about like blind optimism because you have a year like this, and I'll say that I think a lot of times people, especially with like four hundred one ks. Um, you know, they'll, they'll look to maybe rebalance their portfolio at the end of the year, but the way they do it is they look at their fund lineup of all their investment options and they, they look at the highest the ones that have the highest return, right? Which in this year is going to be stocks Sure. more specifically, it's going to be technology stocks. And then they decide, okay, well, I'm going to go jump on that ship and put more money into that because it did really well in 2023. So hopefully it's going to do that well in 2024. And oftentimes it doesn't end that way. Wait, are you calling for the Magnificent Seven to come back down to earth? What? Are you calling for the Magnificent Seven to come back down to earth? No, 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 no. I, 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 I'm, I'm just thinking that you spot, can't go. Maybe. You can't pile. You can't keep piling on to what worked last year is going to, you know, going to going to work in future years. I could just basically. I, I could totally that. envision a scenario though where, um, you know, basically for a very long period here, seven stocks held together the other 497 stocks in the S and P 500. So we get a little bit more um, breadth here where all boat the rising tide starts to lift all boats but also ai is propelling things forward and not just for tech companies but for making efficiencies for other companies as well so you get a little bit of that burst but we get some volatility because stocks are expensive and got to find that equilibrium and maybe come back down to earth if earnings aren't there and you can throw in geopolitical stuff and the a presidential election cycle that i don't think anyone is actually looking forward to unless you're crazy and um 
obsessed with one of the two candidates. Um, and so that could create some volatility presidential election year. Maybe we don't get some resolution until October. I don't know. I could see a year next year where we have a bumpier ride than we had, or just as bumpy of a ride as we had this year, but results in very solid returns again for the S and P 500 in the, in double digit range, you know? Um, but we'll save, we'll save outlook. We've got a whole slide deck for outlook. We'll save that for the next one. Um, Okay, let's jump on your chart because we've been talking stocks for a while. Uh, let's talk some bonds. Yeah, so again, bonds playing an important, important uh, piece of people's portfolios and definitely have had their volatility um, for the last almost two two years. Really what this slide is, is saying is, and one thing I don't think people know is that the bonds tend to be a little bit more mathematical in their yeah. returns. Um, you cannot say you can get a very close proximity of an idea of what a bond may do if interest rates go up or, you know, a percent, or if interest rates go down a percent, you really can't do the same for the stock market. Um, you, you, you can't gauge, oh, the market's going to go down 10% if the, the market or if the interest rates go up 1%. It just doesn't, it doesn't work that way, but bonds do. And so what this chart is trying to show is basically the, um, based on duration. So you have, uh, again, these different bonds uh, represented by these bars, these different kinds of bonds, how they react if, inter if interest rates go up or down 1%. So for example, on the left-hand side, you see the US Treasury Index. Um, it will go up about 6%, 6 um, you know, the, with the duration um, if, if interest rates move 1%. And so that's in either direction. Yeah, so let's simplify. If rates go up a percent, Treasuries go down six. Yes. If if um if the or the return goes down six, right? Because we're talking about treasuries here. We're talking about the the treasury returns, right? Or the treasury yield affecting the returns. Yeah, the trade the yield the yield affect, uh, affecting the returns. Right. So um, so we we're talking about the aggregate index being up what five or something percent so far in the year and a nine percent swing. So if you look at the second column here. Uh, rates on US, the U.S. Treasury index goes up one percent. The U.S. AG will go down six. If the the price of the U.S. Treasury index goes down one, the U.S. AG will go up six, and that's almost right. exactly what's gone on in the last. Yeah. So basically, uh, what, since yeah November when you had mentioned, um, like the 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 ten year um, rates went from about. 4.9 ish to about let's call it 3.9 ish so about fell about four uh, fell about a percent the yield and the bonds went up about seven percent during that time so it's, it's about in line with what you're seeing on this chart um yeah. and you know we are now in that direct heading in that direction the momentum for yields is to continue to go down because we expect that in, the fed's going to lower interest rates right so so we kind of know if if they continue to go downwards you're going to get some upside potential in appreciation from your bonds. Right. Now, again, hopefully, you know, let's say, say that the yields drop another percent, you may get a 6% appreciation in your bonds, which again, it's good when you have to, you add that on plus, plus the interest that they're paying. Yeah. I mean, and think about this. If we're talking about, you know, if the, if treasuries drop 2% next year, let's say, because we're in a recession, rates are being cut. We're talking about double digit returns out of the ag. Right. 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 Um, 
you know, this is, it reminds me of what happened coming out of the great financial crisis or great recession, whatever we're calling it now. Um, bonds were ripping and giving equity like returns with a fraction of the risk as rates and as we kind of everybody was digging out of it and rates were bargain basement. Um, you know, I, we, it's easy to look at a portfolio, whether it's, if you're watching this, you're looking at your portfolio of the last year or two and look and say, God, bonds, why are we, why do we even bother with bonds? What are we even doing here? Um, we're coming out of the worst stretch for bonds that we've had in history. Uh, you don't, that this would be the equivalent of selling low if you're in a conservative portfolio and bailing on your bonds to go to a money market fund or something like that. Um, if you're looking, if you're managing your portfolio, looking in the rearview mirror, yeah, bonds don't look great. But if you're looking at the windshield, now's the time to keep those in your portfolio, right? Yeah, we. I mean, we haven't had this kind of setup um, for qu- quite a while, where the bonds have that potential to go up because the interest rates have just been historically low for such a long time. You just there was no potential for the bonds to really have that kind of appreciation, and it now. Now we actually have that in front of us. So definitely a time where, you know, we can, we can see some decent returns for them. They give more protection in this current environment, right? Um, if we do hit a recession, because they have the potential to appreciate, um, you know, if we were sitting here at zero, 1%, you know, uh, Fed fund rates, there's just not a lot. You're probably going to expect that your bonds are going to appreciate because you just the coupon, just, that's it. Yep. Yep. And so, we are we are in very good good situation again. That one yep. that we have not been in for a very very long time in the in the bond market. There you go. Now I will also say this: the expectation too should not be for people to expect that we're going to get back to the lows of the interest rates that we were um, once no. in. No, um, that is. I mean, that would be the furthest thing from my one of my um, you know guesstimates of what's going to happen in the future. I think some somewhere between. Um, you know, the highs of where we've seen these interest rates already and probably the lows is, you know, maybe that's something at least reasonable, but we are, we're not going back to a, few, a couple of years ago with 0% interest rates. Not at all. Not yeah. at all. No. And I don't think anybody's carrying those expectations. The three per- days of 3% mortgages. And I mean, I, if we're back there, something's gone really poorly. Yes. Yes. Right. I mean, the, 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 it would signal that we need to stimulate the heck out of the economy because which uh, the, the economy is on life support. support. Yeah. You could read the tea leaves on this one and be like, ma- that we're talking massive recession. Yeah. If rates go back to zero and we're stimulating the economy, that's, uh, yeah. I, I don't think, I think the Fed hated being in the position they were in with being beholden to markets and 0% interest rates before COVID. You know, they've they've been able to use this pandemic. And I don't mean this like conspiracy theory, aluminum hat wearing kind of stuff, but they've been given an opportunity to normalize rates and they've taken it. And I think they're going to keep rates, you know, within reason as normalized as they can and keep that ammunition. They'd rather if we're in a recession, they'd rather cut rates from five to three instead of three to zero. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's having continues to have tools for them to use. Yep. Yeah. Okay, stocks, bonds on a tear into the end of the year. We have a Santa Claus rally, I think, is technically like the last week of the year. I don't remember exactly what the days are. So this isn't even Santa Claus rally yet. So hold on. We could, we're not done yet. We could be higher both for stocks and bonds. Um, all right. So, Ryan, tell me as we head into the year, I'm not going to ask you what your New Year's resolution is. I'm going to do that next time. Okay. I'll, pr- I'll have to prepare something. You still have a week and a half to think about that. Um, but what's on your mind today? 
So just with going with the kind of the holiday spirits, or maybe this sounds like it, maybe it's not the holiday spirit. I, we ended up uh, getting, you know, a fake Christmas tree. And so we've had it for a few weeks. And again, I grew up going to the Christmas tree farm with my dad, you know, getting, picking out a tree. So we've always had one. I carried that on and we carried on having a real tree, even, even with my family uh, now, but we were, we ended up getting them from Costco the day after the day after black uh, on black Friday. Um, you didn't even know what you were getting because they were all like wrapped up and they basically give you a tree and you got to hope for the best. So it was a surprise when you open, open wow. it at home. Um, but I will say like, it's nice having an, artificial tree um there's the ease of it um i will say yeah. as you get older like you kind of push the responsibility of having the kids like water the tree and i'm going to say the last several years they get a dead tree bit of a job the and then we and then we have you know we have a christmas eve party and you know we have i don't know 25 30 people come and you know I'm, my, my wife's always complaining oh but the tree looks dead it's all sagging and so you know, I don't have to worry about that it's just it's, it's been it's been pleasant yeah this is our last year for a real tree We've had a real tree for the last few years. I really didn't want to store a fake tree for a while, but that's got to be the biggest downside to having one. Yeah. But the reality is uh, we had uh, the lights on the top third of the tree go out. So we have like a three, two thirds lit tree right now. And it's a pain trying to figure it out. We're going to have to untangle this and rewire it because we have everybody coming over for Christmas also. So it's not just not watering, but having it pre-lit. Is a nice luxury, yeah. If you can swing it, we're probably yeah, the pre-lit. I actually I don't know what I was expecting with it, but real, really, you don't even plug in the strand to um, the next strand. It is literally in the base. So once you connect yeah. the one base to the next, the lights are now connected, and you connect it into the next base, and those lights are connected. It, it was it was simple as can be. Yeah, yeah. We had one in our last place that we used for years. Uh, I did the math. Now they've gotten more expensive, but here we will keep this a financial podcast. I did the math and the break even was three and a half uses. So by the time you got to year four, you were in the money compared to real tree at the time. But now it tree inflation is real. Now I know fake trees are more expensive also, but I'll bet you the break even on a fake tree is if you do use it three or four times, still you're in the money compared to if you were getting a real tree year over year over year. Um, now that you're telling me that, it makes me feel bad that it took me this long to do it. <laughs> oh, see, price for use. This is your mantra. This is, uh, yeah, right. this is what I've been in my family as well. Um, all right. Uh, so I've got something different, not Christmas related on my mind. Uh, Spotify. Spotify is, is what's on my mind for a couple of reasons. Uh, but first and foremost, uh, they have rolled out a feature where included in your subscription are audiobooks. I'm not a big audiobook guy. I don't like paying for audiobooks. I listen to them. I fall asleep listening to them. I prefer to read. That's just how I work. Um, but all of the titles that you consider buying or listening to, oh, I also only listen to audiobooks if the author is reading them. Okay. Which is what percentage? I don't know. I don't know. But like Trevor Noah's book or Tom Segura's book, like comedians do their own book. Tina Fey did her own book. I'm okay. listening to another one that's on some other stuff. They did their own book. Um, it's great though. Like suddenly there's so much more value in a Spotify uh, subscription than there was not that long ago. And I feel like right now with subscriptions, they're they're getting more expensive, but you're not getting more value. You're not getting more content. You're not getting better content. 
you know, Netflix is what Netflix is and they're just raising their prices. But Spotify has actually delivered something that makes it better than the way it was before. So um, if you end up listening to more books, does that mean that you're going to read less or you're going to read the same amount li- and just listen to more books? And then you know, if you what? listen to more books, does that mean you listen to less podcasts? I'm, I'm, it may mean I'm listening to fewer podcasts. Um, it probably, it, it basically adds another choice of what I'm in the mood for. Um, there are books that I bought that I haven't read yet that are available now for free on Spotify. So it may have prevented me from buying them. Um, like the Rick Rubin book on creativity, right? That's, that's in my bullpen ready to go. And then what do you know? It's available to listen to narrated by him for free on Spotify. That probably would have cut me from buying it, but either way, I mean, it goes from, um, you know, Spotify is kind of a cool deal to wow. Uh, audiobooks make it more valuable. So that's, what's on my mind. I think it's part of it's on my mind because, um, I'm still waiting on that car, but there's Spotify built in and there's no CarPlay on the Rivian. So there's no CarPlay? Nope. Just like a Tesla, no CarPlay. So they'd use their own version yeah, of it. So stuff, it's, yeah. That's a- so built into Spotify and TuneIn and some other stuff. But I listened to all my podcasts, kind of like what we started with. I listened to all my podcasts on Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. So if I wanted to the car, I might have to switch to my podcast listening to Spotify, which I'm not exactly excited about. But um, the audiobook things make me much happier to have Spotify at my fingertips in the car. Well, like you said, you're, at least at the end of the day, you're getting more value for what you pay for. Totally. As I'm, long as you use it. As long as you use it. Yeah. And, and I have been, and it's, um, it's a nice perk. So there you go. That's what's on my mind. Audiobooks on Spotify. I think it's great. Um, all right. We're going to leave it there. Uh, Merry Christmas. Yeah, you too. Well, Glad maybe to be back. Happy New Year. We might do one of these in between never know yeah we got a week we got another week we got another week and if we I don't we'll, kind of, uh, uh, we, if, if we don't get back to it next week we'll be at it the very beginning of january we got to have some january. kind of recap of the year and yep. some prognostication we'll, about we'll do we'll go over the lpl outlook together um talk about our new year's resolutions and our schedule our recording schedule for 2024 is every other week instead of twice a month it seems like a minor change, but it's actually impactful. Yeah. Um, steadier. So, all right. Well, if you haven't read or if you haven't uh, subscribed, now's the time. Hit the like button or hit the subscribe button. Um, hit the subscribe button on your audio podcast if you haven't done that already. Info at FordFG.com is our email address. So if you are watching this uh, or listening to this and you have a question that you'd like us to address, um, we will within our capability without giving specific recommendations. Uh, you can email us at info at a for, at FordFG.com. So with that, Ryan, another year in the books on to 2024. Yes. All right. Merry next. Christmas, everyone. Happy holidays. The advisors with Ford Financial Group are registered representatives with and securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advice is offered through Perennial Investment Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Ford Financial Group and Perennial Investment Advisors are separate entities from LPL. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Stock investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. 
The economic forecasts set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted. Ford Financial Group, Perennial Investment Advisors, and LPL Financial do not provide tax or legal advice or services. This information is not intended as a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security referred to herein. 